From the Hype HQ studio in Chicago, Illinois, it's Startup Hype Man, the podcast, season 12. Hello, everybody. My name is Raj Nation, and I am the founder of Startup Hype Man. I help startups stand apart from their competition and stand out to their audience with storytelling, messaging, and pitches that perform. In this podcast, you'll hear my conversations with startup leaders from around the globe as they share a slice of their company's story, stories on growth, scale, successes, and failures, all to help you and your company grow up and ultimately stand out. Before we begin today's episode, I'd like to invite you to join the email newsletter that doesn't suck. That's right, if you head to startuphypeman.com and enter your email address, first you'll get my free SaaS masterclass, but you'll also get updates whenever you release new episodes, plus my storytelling tips and advice periodically throughout the month, and helpful resources from Startup Hype Man partners. It's the newsletter that doesn't suck, available at startuphypeman.com. All right, speaking of things that don't suck, let's begin today's episode of Startup Hype Man, the podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, making his way to the microphone. He is born and raised in Melbourne, Australia, and currently residing in Melbourne, Australia. He is the co-founder and CEO of Avana. Please welcome Rohan Pardasani. Thanks, Raj. Quite glad to be on the on the podcast. That's such a reserved response, given how much energy I put into just saying your name. What's with that? <laughs> You're out of here. Podcast done. Anyways, ladies and gentlemen, he is Rohan Partisani, the CEO and co-founder of Avana, a Melbourne, Australia-based well-being marketplace. In fact, Australia's first and only dedicated marketplace specifically for well-being. When we say well-being, we are talking about things like booking chiropractor appointments, booking massage therapist appointments, uh, podiatry, osteopaths, right? A lot of these... Um, holistic practitioners or essentially like off physician types of treatment in addition to yoga classes, Pilates, et cetera, right? Um, it's, it's bringing more business to those kinds of businesses as well as making it easier for the everyday Australian to actually find and take care of their well-being journey. Avana is a customer of Startup Hype Man. We've worked together this past year on on your messaging, on your pitch, on how you're telling the story to customers. So I'm excited to have you on the show, Rohan. Now, granted, I've helped create some of the messaging, but then I do a halfway decent job representing you there. Yeah, definitely. Like, I think what we're trying to do is um, build a, or, or rather demystify well-being for the everyday Australian. Um, I think some of those modalities you just sort of talked about chiropractor physiotherapist osteopath i think you know to someone who knows to look for them you know they mean they they mean you know well-being they mean relief they mean treatment but to the everyday australian who doesn't actually know what they are they're just sort of buzzwords so for us at havana we just wanted to introduce the everyday Australian who's in pain or looking for treatment or needs help on their, their, their well-being journey to how these different practitioners can really help them. Our topic today is winning one side of the market. So Avana is a marketplace startup. You have the practitioners, the B2B side, have the end users, the individuals on the B2C side. We're talking today about winning one side of the market. In your case, thus far, it's been the B2B side. Can you just talk through um, why this is an important topic to you and why it's on your mind? Well, it's, it's what keeps us up at, at night. Um, effectively, with any marketplace or any e-commerce platform, um, you're really trying to build two distinct communities, um, one on the buy side and one on the sell side. For us, it's Australians... Uh, who are looking for help on their health and well-being journey, and it's practitioners on the other side, um, in you know allied health, natural health, fitness, and well-being, who are looking for you know a few more clients every week, every month to to keep their business ticking over. Um, you know they're looking to you know fill that that white space in their calendars uh, with new clients, um, because like 
you know, like I know, um, new clients are the, the lifeblood of any small business. And if Ivana can help, um, that's great. Because uh, after all, these practitioners have sort of dedicated their professional lives to helping others. And, and that's something that should be celebrated. Well, you've done at least a halfway decent job of that thus far, having already pulled in 1,200 plus um, customers on the B2B side, as well as earlier this year or in beginning of 2019, I should say, uh, raising a $400,000 angel round. So before we dive into the specifics of Havana and our topic of winning one side of the market, let's learn a little bit more about you, the man, Rohan. And as much as I've gotten to know you this year, What's funny is that like in our Slack messages, you'll give me shit about like how the Chicago Bulls are playing this year. So I know you're a big NBA fan. In fact, your dog is named Blake Griffin, right? Just Griffin. Okay, but, just Griffin. Um, <laughs> but, you know, he's definitely built like Blake Griffin. Um, he's uh, quite muscular, quite agile. Um, he, he definitely speaks his mind. Um, <laughs> he loves to be... He loves a good meal um, and, you know, he loves doing zoomies around the park and around the, the front garden. Um, you know, there's no holding him down. But like Blake Griffin, so I, I feel he's got a really soft side. He's a bit misunderstood. He's very sensitive. Um, so, yeah, look, Blake Griffin is not a bad analogy. My wife, my co-founder and... And, and wife D is a mad Boston Celtics fan. So um, I don't know if she'll necessarily agree with the analogy because she also loves Griffin. I'm sure she'd uh, prefer you to compare him to one of uh, her beloved Boston Celtics. But yeah, we're, we're mad, mad NBA fans in the Pardasani household. Who's even out? I mean, is Kyrie still on the Celtics? Oh my God. It's like you don't even watch anymore. <laughs> Probably the most hated Cel former Celtic yeah. now. Oh, you're right. No, no. You know who it is? Um, who it came from from the Knicks, wasn't it? Uh, Enos Cantor went over to the Celtics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Walker, I think came came yeah. over. From Charlotte, yeah. So. yeah, you're right. Kyrie's not on the Celtics anymore. What was <laughs> I thinking? Now, does Blake Griffin the dog? Do you like? Is it like Lob City in your house where you just toss him treats and he plucks them out of the air? Yeah. So Blake Griffin um, has. Um, I don't remember if you recall in the old LA Clippers days, there was Blake Griffin and Chris Paul. Yep. So we have two dogs. Um, the other dog's name is Merlin. Um, and, not Paul and, or not Chris. <laughs> but he is like Chris Paul in the sense that he's the boss of the house and he tells Griffin what to do. So, um, you know, it, it's all fun. All fun and games. They're also both endorsed by insurance companies. Uh, your dogs, <laughs> that is. So, okay, so... Dogs aside and an NBA fandom aside, I'm curious, um, you know, you're an entrepreneur now, but that obviously hasn't always been the case. And I mean, anyone's always been an entrepreneur, but um, you actually have a degree in law. So how did you, like, what, what led that transition from practicing law and what kind of law were you practicing into Ivana? Yeah, so I was a corporate mergers and acquisitions lawyer for the better part of eight years. I uh, worked in a, in a firm or a couple of different firms in, in Melbourne. Um, and I think over my journey as a lawyer, we, we were usually helping, um, helping businesses and helping shareholders achieve an exit through the sale of their business. Or alternatively, we were helping them or rather documenting the raising of uh, capital um, from external investors. And I guess we were helping them a lot of times in what were the most sensitive and most, um, you know, the, the largest transactions of their professional lives. Um, and, and through that whole process, you sort of got a little bit of an insight into, you know, what, what business must be about and their day-to-day -day lives and, um, what it means to be, you know, the one actually calling all the shots and doing all the deals. And I think every M&A lawyer sort of feels this at one point in time because we all think we're really smart and we all think that we're just, 
you know, know everything that, you know, you've got a client on one side and you feel like, look, I can, you know, I can make better decisions. Like this doesn't look that hard. Like he's <laughs> sort of, you know, he more or less does what I say anyway. Um, and, and you sort of yearn that, uh, you know, that you start, like, like me anyway, I sort of really wanted to be the one calling the shots and I wanted to build something of my own. And, and that's a kind of the start of my entrepreneurial journey, just knowing that, you know, there was always something more. I just wanted to be off the sidelines as an advisor and I wanted to be in the main game. Um, so that's, I guess, how my journey started. Um, Take us through the sort of light bulb moment with Ivana. What was the story there? Yeah, Ivana was uh, something which sort of came came to us being me and my co-founder, D, uh, when we were on holiday um, and, you know, we were actually just wanting to get a massage like a lot of couples do. And at that point in time, you know, online booking technology still wasn't widely spread. Um, and even if it was being used by some clinics and some day spas, you know, there was this whole issue around um, trust, like how do you know that someone's any good? And there was no sort of way for us to measure that in any meaningful way. Um, so we were on holiday and I think we called about 20 different day spas looking for a last minute massage. And, you know, 20 calls later, there was still no massage. Um, so after spending half the day on the phone of a two day getaway, we came back to Melbourne as stressed as we were before we left, just wanting to, you know, have a fun holiday, but not able to actually achieve, you know, the relief that we wanted in the form of a, a massage and some of the other sort of wellbeing treatments that we were looking for. And we thought, look, in this day and age, it should be easier. Um, and, and that's the light bulb moment for me. Now, for anyone listening, you may hear that story and think, oh, well, there's, like in the US anyway, there's mind body, there's class pass, but Australia, that doesn't seem to be the case, right? Like it's not as prevalent or it's just not. No, it really definitely prevalent. is as prevalent, but I think when we came up with the concept of this, it was quite a few years back, uh, like it was three, four years back now. Um, and at that point, it wasn't as prevalent. Now, you know, there are definitely class pass and mind body, you know, they're really great services and they definitely have their place in the wellbeing landscape. Um, but I think Ivana's a little bit different in the sense that, um, and I know we'll touch on this a bit later, you know, we are really going after the broader wellbeing and fitness uh, landscape in Australia. Uh, we're not discriminating. We think that there's a lot of practitioners, uh, a lot of whom are misunderstood and have been misrepresented, and we feel that we can bring them all onto one platform and really provide, uh, you know, guided optionality to our to our uh, user base. So you know, somewhere where they can come on board and actually think see the options in front of them. Uh, you know, if they have back pain, you know, they can see a chiropractor or a physiotherapist or a osteopath or an acupuncture practitioner and, and the content on the platform sort of helps them to make that right decision given their circumstances. Right, right. So let's dive now into that main topic of winning one side of the market, which in your case thus far has been the practitioners to begin with. So you kind of alluded to it there about not necessarily being discriminatory about this type of practitioner versus another, as long as you see it fitting within well-being. I mean, you don't have like primary care physicians on the platform, but um, that, that's also intentional. How, how did you identify who these potential service providers or practitioners were in the first place? And then just to reiterate, we're talking in this case, chiropractors, osteopaths, myotherapists, um, acupuncturists, and then also like your yoga studios, your personal trainers. And, and by the way, I don't even know what a myotherapist does. Uh, you know, some, some of the practitioners on your platform, I, 
I'm a confused user, which is, you know, on the other end, you're kind of targeting, but that's also me, right? Like I hear these words, but I don't necessarily know what a, what one person does versus another. Yeah. I think that's a really good question, Raj. And I think that's, um, I sort of being a lawyer, um, I came into it in a very similar manner to you. And I think part of the issue is, at least in the landscape now, is that a lot of the messaging, a lot of the branding, and a lot of the sales um, to practitioners, which is the platform, or sorry, it's the focus of our, our marketplace platform to date, has been from the perspective of the practitioner. I think where we've tried to be a little bit different is to actually say to the practitioner, hey, um, the everyday Australian doesn't actually know what you do and that's why you need us um, because our sole purpose in, in life is to really make your um, services appealing to them um, and, and, buy, and, and if we don't, then we don't actually make any money. So... To them, it, it, it makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, our business model is 100% results-based. Uh, if we actually get a booking through the platform, then we, we charge the practitioner. And the added benefit and what makes us a bit different is that we integrate with their practice management system. So they're only actually getting bookings when they're otherwise twiddling their thumbs and just thinking, you know, when's my next client going to walk in the door? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, you know, to go back to your original question, um, it's, been, it's been easy in the sense that a lot of our practitioners really resonate with the fact that, hey, we're trying to actually bring in people who wouldn't otherwise know to look for their services through their door. Um, and I think they see that, in the long term is something which is really worth supporting. One question you may have gotten from investors in the past, I know you're actually, you're raising money right now. So maybe you're getting this question um, even now is, you know, there, there's such an emphasis on being narrow and specific with a user base or with a customer base. Now, as we've pointed out, you have a lot of different practitioners. They're all in well-being. They're unique practitioners. And I I recall when we were working on this messaging back at the beginning of 2019, we were like, we wrote it all down. We're like, holy crap, there's 19 different uh, practitioner types. And that's if we're being conservative, right? But there's probably others we're forgetting about, at least in this list. So um, again, you may be getting this question from investors, but why go wide instead of just honing in on, I don't know, like three practitioners and be like, we're going to start here. I think for, for me... Personally, I think it was um, it, it is something which has been raised quite a bit. For me personally, I thought the value or the value proposition was really in the breadth of offering. I think if you know that you want to see a physiotherapist or if we just want to create a marketplace of, of physiotherapists, what, what are we doing different to the Australian Physiotherapy Association other than to include the whole real-time booking aspect? I can go to the Australian Physiotherapy Association website tomorrow and see a list of accredited physiotherapists. I can't necessarily... And, and each, each uh, practitioner type or practitioner modality has um, its own board, which has its own listing of professionals. But I don't know that I need to see a physiotherapist necessarily. I don't know if I need to see a chiropractor. All I know is that my back hurts okay, and I need to see someone. Um, and the difference being um, with our platform is that you can see all of your sort of different options in front of you. Uh, you can make an educated decision as to who might work for you given your individual circumstances and given your individual experiences. And then you can try, you can book an appointment with them um, and see if it works. And if it doesn't, you can come back and you can experiment with your other options. And to do that, we need to focus on a larger number of practitioners. The other point 
uh, is that from an outward facing perspective, yes, there are 19 modalities of practitioners listed on our platform. But in terms of our sales and marketing strategy, we aren't actively going after 19. We're actively going after about seven or eight. Mm-hmm. Um, and those seven or eight are ones that we think that we can do really well in uh, based on the competitive landscape in Australia and this health and wellbeing sector. But we don't discriminate. So if you want to come on to Avana and we feel that you may meet the, the minimum requirements, to have the minimum expertise and experience to be listed on, our, on effectively our curated network, then, you know, we're not going to say no to you. Um, you know, we're going to do everything we can to get you bookings. But it's just a certain level, like focused effort on your part across that set, those seven or eight or seven, eight or nine um, specific practitioners. That's right. And, you know, we've identified them based on uh, our early successes with those sorts of practitioner types to the point now that we're just trying to, well, not we're just trying to, but we are filling in gaps in our network. So, the great thing about, or the, you know, the great thing, depending on who you ask, if you ask our sales rep, it's probably not a great thing. But the um, <laughs> great thing from my perspective is that we're trying to fill, um, we're trying to, you know, have a network by both um, suburbs in Australia. So we want a physiotherapist in each of the key suburbs uh, in, in Melbourne and Sydney initially and each of the eight uh, modalities we want to practice in each of the key suburbs and obviously we want a different you know different types of practitioners in each of those suburbs so that the the user has choice so with this you know this focus if you will you've had success thus far as i mentioned at the top of the show 1200 plus practitioners are on are, are, are on the avana platform and that's kind of what we're basing this idea of winning one side of the market around to begin with. So can you talk through, let's take, you know, the, the bulk of your customer base, maybe that's seven, that set of seven to nine. Can you talk through like what's been really the value proposition to them and, and what are some of these conversations like that you're having and, and, and your sales rep is having? So uh, I think like you preached to, to us and, um, it, they're not salesy. That's the number one rule. Um, we feel that our our product or our service is a is a no brainer for practitioners. Um, we we take a lot of the risk, and we both effectively enjoy the upside, Ivana and the practitioner, if we're able to deliver on our promise. So, what that means is that yes, the the sale. Uh, in inverted commas, is a little bit easier. But even then, um, you know, it's still um, difficult in the sense that what we're trying to sell to practitioners is is effectively a dream. And when you're selling a dream, I think uh, a lot of um, other business owners try to, you know, actually say, you know, in the case of it, a marketplace or an e-commerce platform, you know, we can bring you X number of a business, you know, every week, every month. For us, we actually go the opposite way. We're pretty upfront around our strategy. We say, look, step one is build out the practitioner network across Australia or across Melbourne and Sydney. Um, and only once we're happy with that network, will we actively start spending money on bringing on mass users during that time um you know you might get you know a booking every couple of months or whatever um but we've we've actually structured our model such that if you don't um we can still keep in content contact and we can still keep engaged and you're not going to lose anything along the journey in that respect um, it sounds like trust is a big part of this as well as um, really just getting people to buy into the larger vision of Havana. So I want to I take the conversation in that direction next. But before I do, I want to let our listeners know about a new partner of the show in Sales Hacker. 
if you have been listening to the show for a while, then you know, really, I've steered this more in a direction of having B2B startups as guests or startups like Ivana that might be a marketplace, but they do have a B2B side in that marketplace. And Sales Hacker is the world's smartest community for forward-thinking B2B professionals. They got 135,000 members, and that means whether you're a CEO, a head of sales, or a sales rep, Sales Hacker is helping you get better at your job, period, with podcasts of their own, articles, webinars, and research from actual sales experts and practitioners, including yours truly, your boy, startup hype man, Raj Nation. It's no fluff from outside content marketers, just like straight dope to grow your sales acumen. I really love what they're doing, and I'm so excited to have them as a partner of this podcast now and really just do more things in partnership with them overall. So if you want in on the Sales Hacker community, guess what? It's totally free. All you have to do is go to www.saleshacker.com. Again, you can join the Sales Hacker community for free and get access to the articles, the podcast, the webinars, the research, and more simply by going to www.saleshacker.com. We are here today with Rohan Partisani, the CEO and co-founder of Melbourne, Australia, well-being startup, Avana. And we're talking about how do you win one side of the market? Rohan, we just mentioned how a, a big element of this is, is trust and getting them to believe in that larger vision of Avana. Can you speak to in winning over these practitioners, just the extent to which that honesty goes with them and, and, and how you've been able to build up that trust and get them to buy into the vision? Honesty is, you, you've hit the nail on the head. Just being genuine and being honest in relation to the vision, in relation to your expected output, in relation to, um, you know, how you're planning on actually growing the platform. I think with any marketplace or any e-commerce platform, you want buy-in. You want buy-in on both sides of the market. Um, and that's really important and, and buying is all about trust uh, otherwise you know there's no reason for them to actually use you um you know they've still got businesses they they do their own marketing uh, you need to be able to think outside of the box and provide something different and i think with our our practitioner driven content um that's been a real real game changer in the sense that something a little bit different that we, we do on Ivana where we actually um, have identified um, blog content as being something that practitioners really want to do and by publishing or helping them to publish blog content on the Ivana platform, it's really contributing and helping them to become thought leaders in, in their industry. Yeah, so that actually, that walks into a question I wanted to ask later, but I, we'll, we'll talk about it now, which is um, this idea of really ramping up content on the Avana site and a lot of it, uh, a lot of it's original content written by your team at Avana, but a lot of it is also created by the practitioners themselves. So now like, if we're just kind of taking this at face value and we, we think through like, what are the steps this side of the market has done on behalf of Ivana at this point? It's your, I don't, and I don't mean to sound like, um, what's the word, not, not uh, vapid, but uh, terse or in, ignorant about this in any way. Um, can't think of the, what, what is that word? I don't mean to sound blank about this. But in any case, <laughs> um, you more or less go to a value prop. You, you have a value prop that you take to a practitioner and you say, hey, we can help you get more customers, but it's going to be a little bit before we can actually get you those customers. So hang tight. And by the way, in the meantime, we want you to write content for us. Okay, that's a very like trimmed down version of that. But like, how do you, no pun intended, how do you have to massage that language? And how do you actually get people on board with doing this for you when it's not like yet you're giving them those customers that you know are ultimately they're going to expect 
Yeah, look, just to clarify, you know, we do have, you know, thousands of users coming to the platform now. So it's not like there's, they're not getting any visibility in relation to their businesses. But yes, we're very much still at the early stages of our user growth journey. Uh, how we do it is, is a little bit more complicated than that. But effectively, I guess what we identified was that a lot of these practitioners, as I said at the top of the show, they've dedicated their professional lives to helping other people. Um, and they also know that, you know, they would like to write content uh, about what they do. It gets their brand out there. It educates people more widely about their modality. Um, you know, for example, a chiropractor might want to write about the chiropractic adjustments he performs on a regular day-to-day basis and how that might help with uh, certain pain points, for example. But, you know, like any small business owner, they're, they're running a business and they're trying to master their craft and they're trying to service their existing clients and they're trying to have a family all on the side, on, sorry, all, in the, all at the same time. And what ends up dropping off or what ends up not getting done is content, which they're genuinely interested in doing. They just need a helping hand. So our content program is really designed to uh, actually strategize with them as to what they should be writing about. It actually, we can actually help write it for them uh, or not write it fully for them or write it with them um, and actually edit it uh, so that it appeals to, uh, you know, gen pop, so to speak, um, you know, the, the current generation. Um, I think where content goes astray is that, um, you know, there's, it, it doesn't relate to the target audience. And that can be really difficult, uh, especially with uh, health and wellbeing practitioners who want to talk about, you know, really complicated techniques that they may have just recently put into practice or that might be at the cutting edge of their um, modality. But the modern generation just doesn't care. They just, they just want to know how you're going to actually <laughs> feel my back pain. So it's about finding that right balance and that's where we can help and that's where we can actually streamline the whole system to actually get the content out, you know, by making it a priority. Uh, We're with CEO of Ivano, Rohan Pardasani, today on Startup Hype Man, the podcast. So Rohan, you talked about how the content has been sort of, it, it really has been something that they want to get involved in and, and it helps them as well and you're able to support them in that process. So all of these factors that we've talked about thus far have helped win that or, or get you to a point where you are winning one side of the market, right? In, in less than a year, you have pulled on 1,200 plus practitioners, which is you know, no small feat. And, and even if, again, no pun intended, no small feat for those podiatrists who are on your platform. Uh, anyways, <laughs> none, of, none of you can see it, but he just shook his head and silently went, oh my God. So, <laughs> so um, part of this acquisition process has actually been having to make a lot of cold calls, right? Um, and in that process, oftentimes you're not able to speak right away anyway, directly to the practitioner. Like if you call the office, in a lot of cases, there's a receptionist who picks up. And I know anyone who's done sales before knows like the struggle of, the quote unquote gatekeeper that is the receptionist. How have you guys been able to successfully navigate that? To be honest with you, you know, there's no magic formula. Uh, you know, Ben, who is our head sales rep at Ivana, he's very personable. Um, he he doesn't come across as a sales rep. He just comes across as a as a, a regular guy who's. Um, you know, he's trying to obviously sell a product, but he's trying to do it in the most respectful way possible. You know, he has all of the regular strategies around trying to extract the email address of the decision maker from the receptionist and, you know, trying to get through to the decision maker. But I think what it comes down to is a couple of things. Number one is having, um, you know, robust email sequence systems cadences which support your cold call efforts 
Um, and number two is persistence, right? Uh, you just got to, if you want to get the practitioner to join the platform, you just got to keep going until you get them. And also number three probably is just knowing when to give up. You know, in our, in our, in our space, there's no shortage of health and wellbeing practitioners, especially in the more populated cities in Australia. So if someone doesn't want to be interested, oh, sorry, if someone doesn't want to be involved, then, you know, it's their loss. You know, we think that we're going to deliver a great product and we are delivering a great product. Um, and if you don't want to be involved now, you know, we're not going to say no to you when you come back. But, you know, this, this train is moving, as they say. <laughs> you know, we're not stopping for anyone. Yeah, that's funny. That's really not a stance you hear off when you think about cold outreach. Like, just know when to give up. People do, people rarely talk about that, and they talk about all the things you need to do to not give up. But that's a. It's funny because sometimes it's like, yeah, just move on, go to the next person. Before we begin our wrap up, we have talked today about winning the one side of the market in your case, practitioners. I have to imagine twenty twenty is going to be focused more or at least part of 2020 is going to be focused more on the user side. What are your thoughts around that and sort of what's the, what's the plan from here? I think um, the user side uh, of the platform is something that we're becoming more and more uh, comfortable with. If you had asked me 12 months ago, you know, what are your plans uh, to start bringing on users to the platform? Um, I would have said, I don't, I don't bloody know, <laughs> to be honest with you, you know, it's, it's all a little bit too much, but I think what we've learned, I guess, at least through our pilot testing is that a multi-disciplined approach to user marketing is what's required. We don't want to anchor too much to any one strategy. So I think in every marketplace and every platform which is online digital marketing is still the key way to bring users to your platform it gets a lot of bad rap uh, especially in in modern times but it's still an effective way to to bring users um to the platform so whether that's uh you know google adwords or google ads or facebook marketing or or tiktok marketing um, they all have their place and they're all things that we can um, utilize. I think for Avana, I think influencer marketing is going to be something which is really going to be important uh, moving into next year because I think effectively what we're trying to sell is uh, our services which have been very much reserved for professional athletes and for people who are somehow in the know, like people who have, you know, this, this competitive advantage that people um, didn't pre or that the everyday Australian doesn't know about. You know, I remember we talked about our NBA fandom at the start of the podcast. And I remember seeing a documentary about how, I don't know if you remember a basketball player by the name of Grant Hill. Um, Come on. Grant, I may not be in tune with today's NBA, but tell me anybody from the night. I can tell you. I can tell you about Arvidas Sabonis. Don't tell me about Grant Hill. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Document about yeah, Grant Hill. I think this is a good example, given that uh, the podcast probably goes out mainly to the to the US. Um, but I remember seeing a documentary where Grant Hill actually credited acupuncture as the reason why he was able to recover from his. He had like a near death experience latest injuries and yeah. he actually credited acupuncture as the reason why he was able to prolong his career um after those and recover from those injuries mm-hmm. um so I, I feel like if we can actually get athletes and if we can get you know um influencers who are used to getting these sorts of treatments done on the regular uh, really communicate with the everyday Australian about how they can actually jump onto a banner and get that same level of service for their everyday pain and for their chronic pain and other issues, then that could be really uh, a game changer. Um, so 
Uh, I think um, influencer marketing could really work well for us, especially because many influencers are locally based and our service and our practitioners are also local. Right. Um, right. And, and you've already kind of started on that journey a little bit, at least on the athlete side with, uh, I know you sponsor a semi-professional cricket team in Australia. Like your logo is on the, uh, what do you call it? Is it the border? It's not the outfield fence. Is the it boundary. The, boundary? the boundary. Sorry, boundary. Man, I should know that. The boundary, your logo's on that. I think you're on their jersey as well, which is really cool to see. Um, as we begin our wrap up, where can our listeners learn more about Avana and find you? Yeah, definitely. So they can learn more about Avana, avana.com.au. Uh, we should have our iOS app launching early Jan. Um, they can also find out more about me by following me on or connecting with me on LinkedIn. Um, Rowan Partisani, I'm sure the details will be uh, circulated with the podcast. Um, always love to have a, a chat with um, anyone who will talk to me. So <laughs> feel free to reach out. Um, He's lonely, friends. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, you know, love to help where I can and um, yeah, look forward to, you know, connecting with your listeners. To close out, we'll each give our one to two top level takeaways from today's conversations or lessons for the audience. Today's topic was winning one side of the market. I'll go first on this. Um, to me, I think one of the key things Avana has done that a lot of other companies tend to overlook or think we shouldn't do that is that upfront honesty and not over promising something from day one to like convince them, Oh, Hey, we're great. You have to use us. But just being like, look, we're on this journey. It's going to be decent right now, but if all goes well, like we can provide you something amazing a little bit down the road. If you'll just be patient with us. Rohan, what is your one to two top line takeaways or lessons for the audience on winning one side of the market? Yeah, look, it's probably saying the same thing in a different way, but um, yeah, just being genuine with your audience and, and being persistent. Um, find um, the right team who understand your vision and trust them to actually implement it in our case with the practitioners. So, you know, our vision was to, like you said, build something really special. It might take a little bit of time um, and don't, you know, don't sugarcoat it. If that's what it's going to take, that's what it's going to take. Um, and just believe in, in the strategic vision. If you believe in it, then, you know, your suppliers and your customers will too. My final question to wrap up here, fill in the blank entrepreneurship is blank is rewarding um it's certainly tough but uh you know it's a lot of fun so i'd say rewarding he is rohan partisani the ceo of avana rohan thank you so much for joining us today on the show Thanks, Raj, and I uh, hope you have a Merry Christmas and Happy New Year, and same to all your listeners. Thank you for those wishes. And listeners, don't go anywhere, because up next is a new edition of Startup Open Mic, so stick around. Can I kick it? Can I kick it? Yes, Can I kick it? Yes, well, I'm gone. All right, we're back here on Startup Hype Man, the podcast with a new edition of Startup Open Mic. This is the part of the show where you, the listener, submit to me your 60-second or less elevator pitch to have it broken down live on air by me, the Startup Hype Man, Raj Nation. So today, stepping up to the Startup Open Mic is Kyle Miller, the founder of GoodFind, an early-stage startup representing the DMV, if you're not familiar with that. That's the D.C., Maryland, Virginia area. So Kyle Miller from Good Find, take it away. 
Food trucks are a $2.7 billion industry active in over 300 cities across the U.S. They have also seen a 300% increase in revenue over the past three years. The last time you went to a food truck, I'm pretty sure you loved the food, but not the experience. It was crowded, the menus were confusing, and there was a rush, so you were stuck waiting in line. This is the problem, and Good Find is the solution. We give you the ability to quickly find and order from food trucks near you. We enable the food truck owners to set their schedules, manage their menus, and take online orders, while you as a user can find the food trucks near you, view the menu to order ahead so you don't have to wait in line. We have been around for about a year and we have over 30% of the food trucks in the D.C., Maryland, Virginia area on our platform. We're growing by 30% month over month and have over 2,500 users on our platform with no marketing or paid advertisement. We have in-house expertise in design, development, and product ownership. So next time you're looking for a food truck, download GoodFind. All right. Thank you, Kyle. So I really liked the general flow of your pitch. Excellent job there. Um, I think you've definitely got the right elements in place and for the most part in the right order to identifying that problem up front and then allowing that to lead into ultimately the solution. Here's some feedback I've got to optimize it and make it even better. You start off the pitch with food trucks are a $2.7 billion industry active in over 300 cities across the United States. They've also seen a 300% increase in revenue over the past three years. Those are good stats, but don't lead with those. For an elevator pitch, lead with something that's more personal and emotional. So I would take that section that I just read back there or recited back and bump it to the end of the elevator pitch because I'm not going to really get hooked in by numbers, right? You want me to have something that I can have like an emotional attachment to, something that allows me to experience or feel the pain or, or resonate with it. Um, I always say no one can visualize what 2.7 billion of anything is, right? There's zero emotion around 2.7 and around 3 billion of anything. And the other thing you have to realize is that in, the, in this type of an elevator pitch, you're, you, you have it designed for an investor. Those kind of numbers are like table stakes, right? Like don't try and win them up front on, hey, we have an, this big of an industry. Have that information, but put it more on the back end because duh, you wouldn't be talking to them unless you had a big industry, unless the industry was growing, right? So move those two stats, 2.7 billion industry across 300 cities and 300% year over year increase in revenue. Um, move that to the back end of this elevator pitch. And then what you can start with is how you talked, is, is what you then said, which was, you know, if you've ever been to a food truck, then you know what the experience is like. You have to wait in line. It's crowded, et cetera. So I would just start off with that. Once you identify the problem, you have this transition where you say, this is the problem and good find is the solution. I would cut out that part right there because it's obvious based on what you just said that that was the problem. You don't need to then highlighter for people that, hey, what I just said is the problem. Now I'm going to speak about the solution. I would find a better segue. Something that's got a little like more pep or zip to it. Um, so after you, you know, go through those few sentences of the problem of, of the crowdedness, um, you know, menu issues, all that stuff, then you could go to something like, for example, let good find fill your plate. And from there, you then move and talk about the solution. Speaking of the solution, uh, the way you currently phrased it was you say, a good find helps food truck owners to set schedules, manage menus, and take online orders. While as a user, uh, you can find the food trucks near you, view the menu to order ahead, so you don't have to wait in line. Now, I think it just gets a little bit mouthy at that point. So I think the way we can trim this is by modifying it to something like, I, I think something as simple as, Good Find helps food truck owners streamline their operations and helps foodies or and helps you know their customers find or place the orders ahead of time. Right? It could be as simple as that. We help food truck owners optimize their, their operations and we help their patrons get their food the second they walk up to the window. That is a way you can trim down what was probably like, you know, three, four sentences that took a lot of time. You could trim it down to essentially one sentence with a comma. Um, 
And I think it won't make the listener kind of get caught up in the details um, at the end of the day. The back end where you explain the growth of the company thus far, I think is great. And then I would just add in those industry stats on the back end. Probably don't necessarily say like we have an accomplished team. Um, I think that's just kind of like, yeah, okay, I get it. You know, I mean, you already made your case with the other points there. So that's my feedback uh, with Good Find. Thank you, Kyle, for submitting to this edition of Startup Open Mic. And that will officially wrap up this episode. If you have a startup that you want to submit for Startup Open Mic right here on Startup Hype Man, the podcast, then of course, all you have to do is email media at startuphypeman.com. My media coordinator will get that file from you and I'll take a look at it. When you submit, make sure you submit it as a downloadable audio file so that we can insert it into this episode. So shout out again to Good Find and Kyle Miller. Good luck on your journey. Thank you for submitting for this week. And I will see you again soon on Startup Hype Man, the podcast. That concludes this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked what you heard, you can share this episode with a friend or you can leave a rating and review on the Apple Podcasts page. When you do that, it boosts us in the search results and ultimately that means more entrepreneurs will listen, which means we share the message, we spread the mission and support more entrepreneurs at the end of the day. You don't have to stop with the podcast if you want more. And if you are interested in telling your company's story better across your demo calls to investors and to any audience you seek, well then why not have a conversation with me? Head to startuphypeman.com, fill out a form there, and let's talk. If you've got recommendations for future guests for the show or you want to be a guest on the show yourself, email media at startuphypeman.com. That'll tie a bow on this one. Thank you again to this week's guest for joining. I am Raj Nation. You have been listening to Startup Hype Man, the podcast. We will see you next time. Hype Man out. Word up. Raise up. Got you howling at the moon. Yeah. This dance with the devil, bro. Instead of sundown too yeah. Ooh. This a dance with the devil bro Tell me what you gonna do yeah. This a dance with the devil bro And if you can't get it loose Then they fall into the truth It got your hell in the moon yeah. This a dance with the devil bro Instead of sundown too This a dance with the devil bro Tell me what you gonna do it's a dance with the devil, bro. And if you can't get it loose, then it's, it's a dance with the devil.